Hey everybody, this is Kelly Reynolds and I'm the host of Boobies and Newbies, the podcast that asks novice romance readers to think outside the dick in a box. Join me for a new episode every Friday as we review romance novels with non-romance readers. From the sweet, loving, fairy tale romances of the Highlands. Who cares uh, about up against the wall by the fruit trees? <laughs> yes. Like, where's the dragon? Inside the belly of a dragon. To the naughty erotic threesomes with navy seals. Sex was a 10. I mean, you cannot get any better than this book. Come okay, on, you guys. Good. Really. We read it all. Check us out at Boobies Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Listen to previous episodes on any podcast streaming platform. You can also support Boobies and Newbies on Patreon.com for lots of bonus booby content and early episode releases. Hmm. So we're doing a Scrubs episode. How am I going to open this episode? Do I do the monologue where JD goes, I learned something. No, that's stupid. Do I do a Dr. Cox one where I call myself Laverne or Pamela or whatever? No. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter. We watched my screw up from season three of Scrubs. So you know what that means. It's in the basket. Writer's bagel baskets. I can't do this all on my own. No, I know. I'm no Superman. Superman. Tear me apart, Lisa! We took out of a building! Yes, it was very exciting. Tomorrow we go to the zoo. I love you! That's all I needed to hear. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! We don't have to be mean. Because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Kerland, and we continue Stars and Gripes, or Stars and Hollywood Gripes, whatever you want to call it, that's what we're calling it. And we're focusing on Brendan Fraser, Fraser, whatever, <laughs> and we're doing one of his most popular, well-known guest roles on a TV series, Scrubs, where he played Ben Sullivan. And to talk about it again is my buddy, Dave Schweitzer. Hello, Scott. Thank you for having me. It's been a few weeks since I've seen you. Thank yeah, you. thanks for coming again. Very We're welcome. totally not recording on the same day. Anytime, anytime. Uh, so you aren't as familiar with Scrubs. I've seen a lot of Scrubs on like syndication. I did not watch it live. Um, I did not get a DVD box set and start from the beginning. But I have seen a lot of episodes throughout the years on like Comedy Central when they'd air there. Um so yeah, so that's my familiarity. I am a fan of the show. I enjoy it, but I'm not someone who like really followed it. Yeah, I followed it hardcore it. when I was in high school all the way through college. When did it start when we were in high school? Yeah, so our probably our sophomore year of high school. Okay. It started in like 2002 and it ended what how many seasons were there all in all? Um did it end at the end of college for us or did it go a little bit past? So it got canceled in season seven uh by NBC, then ABC bought the rights yeah. and picked it up for season eight and season nine. Okay. And uh yeah, so it went season eight was the final season of the actual show. Season nine is when they did Scrubs Medical School. Okay. 
Um, this episode is the third in a trilogy of episodes for Brendan Fraser's character, Ben Sullivan. He had an overall arc. So do you want to go with the TV guide explanation of what happens in this episode? So in this one, Brendan Fraser shows up at the hospital. is Dr. Cox. That's his name, right? Uh, It's like best friend, I guess. Yep. And um, pretty much throughout the episode, uh, JD gave Dr. Cox bad news about a patient Dr. Cox seems to be blaming JD and doing all of his job for him. Meanwhile, Turk's debating getting a mole removed when his fiance and their subplot. Um, and then, do I give the spoiler away? We can get into it. Okay. And then the movie ends. Episode ends. The episode ends. Yeah. So basically, um, the screw up is that a patient died on JD's watch. Um, and we'll just give who is the patient that died? Brendan Fraser. And yeah. <sighs> so so his character is named Ben Sullivan, and his sister is Jordan, who is Dr. Cox's ex-wife, but in season three they get back together and they're in uh From the Drew Carey show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's Christina Miller. Yeah. Um, who is married to the guy who created scripts, Bill Lawrence. I didn't know that. That's how yeah. Oh, cool. Um and they had this on again, off again relationship. And then in season three, they get back together and they have this Tim Robbins, Susan Sarandon. They're not married, but they're, you know, together forever. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's Brendan Fraser. I thought I I've seen this episode before. And when I saw him show up, I was like, Oh, it must be this episode. And then I learned what the theme of uh, the month was. And yep. um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell you because I was like, Do I tell him or do, do I have him figure it out? I just thought, Oh, an episode of Simpsons, an episode of Scrubs. That, that seems random, but okay. Those are easy to watch. Yeah, because you've never had to do TV shows for, for. Yeah. You've always done a movie. Yeah, I had no idea. So that was funny. So I knew it was going to be the one where he died. And what I have to say is, I don't remember the last time I saw this one. It's probably been a while, but. Boy, the ending still got me. Yeah, it gets you. It's effective. It is an effective, effective uh, episode. So in season one, um, Brendan Fraser is in two episodes, and he's introduced as Ben Sullivan. In that's when Jordan and Doctor Cox are in fact divorced and not talking to each other. And you find out that Brendan Fraser, instead of picking his sister and taking her side. He took Dr. Cox's side and remained his best friend. You find out he has leukemia. Yeah. And in the second episode of that, he gets put in remission. And uh, because he gets a second lease on life, he travels the world and um, doesn't get seen by a doctor. Yeah. And when you have leukemia, you probably every year or every six months should... Follow Every up. Month, who knows? I Three months? Know. I don't yeah, know. Geez, well, but, I'm not but, a doctor. But definitely not two years. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was, yeah. So, so in the first half of the episode, he's alive. Yeah. And the way they did it, um, I, I, this was one of the episodes that I always listened to with the commentary. So when you know he's alive, he has his camera on him. Oh. And when he's dead, he does it. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't notice that. I just noticed, yeah, no one's actually interacting with him. You it's, know, you just noticed well, that. Well, JD like, interacted with him. Well, no, I mean, once he does die. Yeah. Once he dies, he does show up just like, you know, nobody's interacting. I didn't realize that camera was not with him, which right. makes sense because he says, like, oh, I'll probably have it till the day I die. Or, you know, he says some line like he's, that. He- so, you still doing the whole kooky guy who brings his camera everywhere thing? 
till the day I die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I, I wish I had caught that. Yeah. So, um, also the thing that really gets me is when um, JD brings Doctor Cox the the folder for a patient. So the red herring that they do, yeah, is that there is a patient like Mister Farning. Some, yeah, random guy. Who has a heart, heart problem, condition. has a heart condition, and JD's like, oh, you're going to be fine. And if you're not familiar with Scrubs, JD has an inner monologue, and he goes, oh, my God, he's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you assume that that's the guy they're talking about. Yeah. And Ben looks over the shoulder and sees, you know, he was pronounced dead 20 minutes, and he goes, oh, man, that sucks. And then you realize he's looking at his own fucking file. That's like... Oh yeah, that's black mirror. Oh, that's dark. interesting. Yeah, that is that is dark. Um, yeah, and it's well, I do think it is interesting because the way they wanted to portray it with the surprise. But I think if you weren't going for that, I don't think that's how JD would have quite delivered that news. You know, because JD, like from what we saw, like hands on the file, like hey, the patient went to cardiac arrest twenty minutes ago. I didn't make it. Well, I think JD would have been like, oh my god, this is like this guy's best friend, brother, like, I think well, realistically. That, that was the issue. Because um, it, it's really weird, because you learn a lot about Dr. Cox in this episode. Um, there is an episode in season two called His Story, where it's all from Dr. Cox's perspective, but this one you realize that Ben and Dr. Cox, Ben was his only friend, yeah. and then he dies. But then the one person that like he gets along with but keeps at an arm's length is JD. Yeah. Like he treats him like a son. He he's tough on him, but he respects him. And uh it's actually kind of really funny. Um in season eight, the final episode, which should have been the series finale, when they shouldn't have picked it up for season nine, because it ended on the perfect note. Oh. Um jd leaves in like that whole episode he's trying to get dr cox to share his feelings how he feels about him because he knows that dr cox loves him and one of the interns goes after jd walks out uh for good he goes i don't understand why everyone was making a big deal about it he was just you know another guy and uh john c mcginley as dr cox gives this amazing speech about oh, yeah. how great JD was. Oh, wow. For the record, he was the best that ever came through this dump. John Dorian was the first and only doctor I ever met who cared as much as I do. And you can forget about him being just an exceptional physician. Because the fact of the matter is, he was he's a damn exceptional person. That's why people gravitated to him. That's why I did. He was my friend. Thank you, God. That was beautiful. Oh, God, no. Yeah, so, um, yeah, you you really find out that in this episode, uh, as hard as Cox is on him, he actually does care about him, and you realize that at the funeral scene, because who does he let sit next to him at the funeral? Besides his ex-wife. Yeah, JD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who directed this episode? Was it Zach Braff because of the Joshua Raiden song that was used? 
I knew you were going to bring up the Joshua. <laughs> he, he puts Joshua Raiden in everything. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because I like it, but I also haven't heard a new Joshua Raiden song since like college when I Closer. heard all these. Yeah. Probably. So it's really funny for me because it just seemed like it really took me back to like, you know, I guess the mid to late 2000s when this kind of would have come out. Yeah. I remember because of Scrubs, I used to listen to Joshua Raiden all the time. Yeah. Um, I think because Zach Braff was just a producer on this show at the time. Um, you probably just recommended it. Yeah. Uh, so this episode was directed by. Watch, it's probably gonna be like Bill Lawrence because Bill Lawrence doesn't know musicians, and he usually just lets Zach Braff pick it. Oh, really? <laughs> um. So episode fourteen, my screw up was directed by Chris Koch, who uh was. Uh, he was the director for Modern Family, Scrubs, oh, okay. um, The Last Man on Earth, which is a show I love. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know that one. Uh, so, yeah, he directed that. So, yeah, he, they probably just let Zach Braff pick the music because he picked a lot of the music for the show. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was very effective. I mean, from when JD shows up there and then, like, all of a sudden Frazier's gone and the, like, wide shot when they cut back to that and then the music starts playing. It's, it's a very effective scene. Pictures of what? You know, crying babies covered in chocolate, people singing happy birthday to my son who have never even met him before. You know, the, the whole routine. Where do you think we are? Your name is the splinter inside me while I wait. Well, because the way they set it up is you think it's Jack, Dr. Cox's son's birthday party, because that's why everyone's in town is for the birthday party. So what you have to assume is that they already had the birthday party. Ben died. Mm. Or Ben died and they had the birthday party or they canceled the birthday party. But Dr. Cox did not sleep for almost a week. Yeah. Remember? Because he was taking all of JD's patients. Yeah. So so time was so linear that he didn't realize what was happening. Yeah. See, then that's like, it's an interesting thing. That's part that I'm almost like, I think it's to get that trick at the end of the episode. They do a lot of that like, um, well... He was there for a week. His, it ju- it's just weird how he's not aware of it. But it's also like, I guess, like, well, he was in shock. and Well, I think he's know, going through. I mean, in this episode, he goes through the, the five phases of death. Yeah. Like, he is in denial. And then uh, he's so he's angry at first with JD. Then he bargains. Then um, what is it? It's anger, bargaining, denial acceptance and there's a fifth one in there um i think acceptance is the fifth one acceptance is the final one but there's one that i'm missing i did four denial bargaining anger depression depression yes um and he is depressed um but i just love zach braff's delivery because uh mcginley goes or dr cox goes where's your camera aren't you gonna want to document this and he goes, document what? Uh, Zach Braff says, you know, uh, people making a big deal of my kid's birthday, chocolate on the kid's face, and Zach Braff's delivery of, where do you think we are? Yeah, that's a really good delivery. That's really interesting. 
It's a good moment. Yeah, it really sets the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Also, this episode introduces shower shorts. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Which it looks like I'm wearing a pair right now, essentially. Did it come with were, a shower wallet? <laughs> no. Shower shorts. Um. So, yeah, in this episode, the B story, like, it doesn't feel like the B story should be in, like, an episode this heavy. But it's funny because the episode's only a heavy until the last three minutes. The rest of the episode is fine. It's just one of those things where, like, those last three minutes all of a sudden are heavy, and it just changes what the rest of the episode was about. But until those last three minutes, or if you've seen the episode, it's really not that heavy. Well, I mean, it kind of is because it has to do with a person dying and a doctor blaming another doctor for probably murder. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, okay, when you phrase it like that, uh, but like, like or <laughs> neglectful, like doctoring. Yeah, but I feel like I mean that is I mean okay. That's more part of a job. Well, like doctors make mistakes. Hopefully yeah. not a lot, but like, you know, that's something that like is kind of a, a workplace. Like that's going to happen. No matter how good of a doctor you are, someone's going to die on your And watch. I love how understanding uh, Fraser is about it. He's like, well, the kid told you that he was really busy and that oh, yeah. he had a lot on his plate. Like he didn't screw up. And then I love, he's like, he screwed up. And Fraser goes, okay, he screwed up. Darn kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Frazier's acting in this is pretty good. Did, did he get good. nominated for an Emmy, or is this during the time where he was blacklisted and they wouldn't? Oh, I have no idea. Um, yeah, the Frazier stuff was all very good. McKinley was really good in Dr. Cox on this one. Is it, is it the best Dr. Cox episode, like, for him? No. Okay, so um, there is an episode where he doesn't talk the entire episode. I may have heard or seen that because uh, there were patients that needed uh, transplants, and uh, uh, one patient died, and they thought she killed herself. Um, but they took her organs anyways, and it turns out she had rabies, and all of these people died because Dr. Cox was the one who okayed it. So he blamed himself for all of these people dying. Oh, jeez. And in that episode, he doesn't speak once. He just looks really sad and depressed. And yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's probably his best one. Brendan Fraser was not nominated for an Emmy for this. Interesting. Who does it say who was like that year or? No. Um, also, the image that they use of Ben at his, um, at his funeral was the one that he took outside the, uh, the, um, the hospital in front. They use the image from the hospital. Oh, okay. As at his memorial, and I'm like, oh fuck, that's dark. Um, one thing that I thought was almost humorous was when JD does say, like, "Are you gonna have that camera with you until like the day you die?" He's like, "Probably." Well, if he hadn't died, you know, with our cell phones now, they always have cameras on us. So yeah, but he was the type of gonna... guy that I mean, cell phones existed in 2004. Yeah, but not quite with like we weren't taking photos on them like we are nowadays. You know what I mean? Like you could take photos on them and show somebody something, but yeah, but Ben was the... Ben was so old school that he used like. An old timey, like he'd get around to it eventually. Yeah, he had an old. Polaroid he might not camera. be like you know right with everybody else on right. an update one, but eventually he'd pull around to it. I mean, in the previous episodes he was in, um, the first one when they uh, JD thought he made a mistake about the diagnosis of leukemia, 
he spends the entire episode trying to figure out if it was a mistake or not. And uh, it ends up with, you know, Ben wasn't even sick. I don't know why everyone was making a big deal about it. And you find out that it's all in his head because Brendan Fraser asked for them to pose for a picture. And he hates people posing for pictures because it doesn't look like real life. And he goes, I thought you hated when people pose for pictures. And he's like, it's not real. None of this is real. And then you cut back to him delivering the news to Brendan Fraser that has leukemia in the episode ends. Oh, geez. So like they always do that, oh, this is all in your head type of stuff. So yeah. it's no surprise that this episode was all in Dr. Cox's head. Yeah. And it's weird that it's Dr. Cox's head and not JD. Yeah, that is very interesting. Because like, like I said, I felt like JD almost, knowing what this was, was almost out of character because I felt like realistically he'd be hovering right over Dr. Cox, from from what I know of the show. Yeah. Hovering over Dr. Cox like, oh my God, are you okay? What can I do for you? I'm here for you. Talk to me. Give me your emotions. But instead, he just went about his merry business. Of, and I know you have to kind of do that to get the reveal in the episode. Right. But I do think that that was interesting. Um, you know, that... Just everybody else was pretty much oblivious to it, kind right. of. Which, which I liked because, like I said, the rest of the episode you can watch, and it's really a pretty entertaining episode and funny. And then just add those last few minutes. Also, John C. McGinley does more acting in like the last thirty seconds with his crying mm. than he does when he's giving like his monologues or anything. Yeah, he's a very good actor. I haven't really seen him in much else, but he is a very, very, very talented man. So he was in, he's been in, um, he was in Set It Off. He was in like every Oliver Stone movie in the late 80s. He was in Platoon, Wall Street. Um, he was in a bunch of Cusack movies. He's great in everything. It's just, this one, it was Scrubs that really... Yeah, and that makes sense where you play one character over and over for, what, eight, nine years or something like that. And being the hit that it was, the level that it was at least. So that makes sense. I mean, I've seen Platoon. I I can't say I remember him. He was the one who kept wanting to go home and was trying to get shot so he would go home. And then they're like, you did a good job with the village. And they're like, you're going on another tour. And he's like, shit. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. And oh. he's just one of the cocaine uh, stockbrokers in Wall Street. Wow. Also, when he smiles, his upper lip disappears, and it's kind of terrifying. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. but I love I love John C. McGinley. Very good in this show. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the B plot with? Um, I hate the B plot <laughs> with the mole. The mole where where uh, uh, Jay, uh, Turk is going to get a mole removed at the behest of. Carla, um, and she bargains with him. And she's like, "If you get rid of your mole, I'll get change my last name to Turk." Yeah, because they're getting married. Um, I do like Doctor Kelso's monologue where he's like, "You know, I once used one of these on my wife." The wife snoring. Yeah, yeah, that was a nice little scene with him. I just wish I didn't hate that mole so much. <sighs> I used one of these on my wife once. She's a terrible snorer. She used to keep me up all night. I made her have the surgery, but of course that just made things worse. But here's the twist. Now, whenever she goes out of town, I can't fall asleep without the sound of that gasping, wheezing woman lying right next to me. And also, um, I thought he was pretty funny with just his reactions for like people trying to talk to him. I mean, it's run of the mill course for that show with him. But um, well, it's funny when they 
his character is forced into retirement in like season seven or eight. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Cox ends up being the one to take over for um, him as chief of medicine. And you find out that he loves the hospital so much that he just decides to hang out uh, in the coffee shop. Yeah. And then he cares about everyone's problems. So it's so weird. Oh, the really? So by the end of it, he just like, cause he can't work there. He's just hanging out there. And then he like gets to know everyone and cares about him. Yeah. Oh, that sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. Also, um, Bill Lawrence, who created this, created Spin City, which, oh, okay. oh fuck. Spin City is one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. Yeah. That, that's up there. Um, so he he had everyone who was on Spin City when he he did it. So when Charlie Sheen uh, ended up going on Spin City, he left, so he wasn't in charge. So he's had uh, he's had Michael J. Fox, he's had Alan Ruck, he's had um, Heather Locklear, Barry Boswick, everyone who oh Richard Kind. Oh yeah. So he's had everyone from from. Uh, that show on on scrubs and every time they turn up um this was also the season where uh michael j fox played the uh internal medicine and surgeon who was so good at medicine that he learned to be a surgeon and a general doctor but he had ocd (laughs) Mm, so that's how they worked in his parkinson's oh interesting because you have to constantly be moving so he had he always was touching stuff as part of his ocd that's very interesting um yeah i uh i was a little bummed this episode the janitor only had one line but he had the funniest line yeah we'll find that body (laughs) carla's not dead or something yeah well i'll check the dumpsters yeah carla's not dead yeah yeah. You keep up that positive attitude. <laughs> yeah. So that was good. He's a good, he's really funny. I like I the janitor love Neil a lot. Flynn. If I do another Scrubs episode and I have you back on for that, I will give you a janitor based episode. Oh, cool. That'll be fun. Yeah. Because um, in, in, uh, as long as I can still cry during the episode. <laughs> well, it's funny in the, um, the first episode with Brendan Fraser and he's following people around with a camera. He points out the JD. He's like, who's this guy? And it's the janitor. And he's like, yeah, every time I took a photo of you, he's always in the background. <laughs> yeah. Also, there's the episode where uh, the janitor, you find out, tried to be an actor. Oh, I haven't seen that. That sounds um, funny. Because uh, JD is watching The Fugitive and Neil Flynn was actually in The Fugitive. Oh, okay. He was the cop on the uh, Chicago Transit line. He was like, Kimball, wait. And he gets shot and killed oh so yeah it's just like one line yeah so oh wow and they just worked that in yeah so you find out that the janitor actually was that guy that's wicked funny oh wow and he's like yeah that that was me i was a character actor in a harrison ford movie and that's why i'm here cleaning up vomit (laughs) and jd has this very powerful monologue where he's like no what for a minute i wished it was you because that meant that you had hopes and dreams and somewhere along the line you gave up on them and now you're just a jerk. And he goes, Kimball, wait. And he goes, it was you. And he's like, yes, it was. If you tell anyone, I'll kill you. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Also, the way they get rid of the janitor for season nine, because he was on a, that bad Patricia Heaton show, The Middle. Oh, uh, yeah, which I'm going to tell you a secret. I watched like two seasons of pretty regularly. The only reason why I even watched the few episodes I watched was because of Eden Chair. Uh, who the was daughter. 
she was good. I actually I liked I liked it, but I'm like not that hard to please with sitcoms. But like I would not say it was one of my favorites, and I only watched it for like two seasons. So, um, I'm still embarrassed though. But the way they got rid of him is they're like, no, JD is not here. He's like, seriously? And they go, yeah. And they turn around and he's not there anymore. <laughs> that's funny. Yep. <laughs> so he's just gone. Yep. He just, he just went away. That's really funny. So yeah, um, this episode, the funeral itself, I I noticed something. So in the front row, you have like um, Tara Reed. We haven't even talked about Tara Reed. Oh, the America's Funniest Home Videos joke was wicked funny. Yeah. I loved that. He's like, I deleted that tape we made. And it cuts to like... The- well, I love how Jordan's like, what tape? Like, <laughs> like, what weird sex tape did my sister make you do? Oh, my God. What do you say to a girl you dumped three weeks ago? I destroyed that videotape we made. What tape? <laughs> Danny, if you don't act concerned, no one at America's Funniest Home Videos is going to think this is real. Can we just go home and have sex? No! Again from the top! Now I'll never meet Bob Saget. And I love how Tara Reid is just playing Tara Reid. It's all she can do. Yeah, like, like she's like, can't we just have sex? Yeah, you would say that, Tara Reid. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, the, the, what is the tape? It is a uh, America's well. It's a staged America's Funniest Home Videos tape of her hitting Zach Braff in the nuts with a golf club, but then she screws it up or isn't convincing, and she doesn't look concerned. Yeah, she, she just goes, "Can't we have sex?" And he's like, "No." Yeah. <laughs> so he deleted that though, so yeah. we'll never get out into the world. Also, I have a feeling ABC wouldn't have aired it though either. Well, this was back <laughs> when it was NBC. NBC used to have America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh well, ABC. I should have clarified no, that I meant oh, the, okay. the company that the station that owns America's Funniest Home Videos. No, for the red, white, and the blue, for the funniest <laughs> things you do. America, oh. America, this is you. Wow, is that the America's Funniest Home Videos theme mm-hmm. song? Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yep. I always joke that that should be our national anthem. Give it another year and a half, and it might be. Who knows? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Tara Reid in this episode. Um, also, we didn't even talk about Brendan Fraser has these really gross lines where he's like, you and I have something in common. We both slept with my sisters. Where Yeah, that I did I didn't get that. He clearly meant as a kid they like shared a bed when they would go on like a trip. Oh now I get it. But, but that but was then, weird. I was like But uh-huh. then he would just take it too far yeah. and be like, I've noticed that Jordan is more of a teeth and tongue and Danny is more of a soft kisser. Mm-hmm. He's like, please stop. Interesting. Okay, yeah. So that's funny. Yeah. Um now it all makes more sense. But in the actual funeral, like the f- front row makes sense that it's like Dr. Cox and Jordan and Danny and an old guy who I assume is supposed to be their father. We can only hope. And then next to Zach Braff is just some random woman. Yeah. And who the hell is she? Like why isn't like Elliot sitting next to him. Uh, Sarah Chalk probably just didn't want to go to set that day. Sarah Chalk was sitting behind him. Like uh, Donald Faison. I almost said Donald Glover. (laughs) Donald Faison and uh, Carla and Dr. Kelso and everyone else was sitting behind them. Maybe it was just for framing purposes or something like that. I'd have to see the shot again, but I don't know. It's just a random, sad-looking woman. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, is it so random to be a sad-looking woman at a funeral? You know what I mean? Yes, but we've never met her before is my point. Oh, that's okay. I don't want to know her. So, uh, on a scale of 1 to 13 bagels as we reach the end of this episode, because um, I don't even really want to talk about the B story of Turkey. There's not much to say. He, he doesn't get rid of the mole. The mole talks at a few points, which yeah. is kind of funny. Yeah, and it's just stupid. Donald Faison. Yeah. Answer him! Yeah. So, uh, on a scale of 1 to 13 bagels, I think, so I'm basing this on a Scrubs essentially yeah one to 13 i think i would give it a 13 i think that the ending is effective enough it's one of the more iconic episodes yeah this is one of the best episodes there's a lot of like good humor to it um so i think for scrubs i'm gonna give it like 13 bagels i'm going with 12 12 yeah wow. um i'm apparently a lot more generous you are <laughs> um, but yeah, so this month we talked a lot about Brendan Fraser's stuff. Um, him as an actor, he's completely underrated. Like, do you have like a favorite Brendan Fraser movie? Um, probably The Mummy. I love the first Mummy. It's really a. We great... didn't do that. That one is is Haley's favorite. Um, oh man, be great. Like, she and I could just do an episode on it if you need the week off. No. <laughs> You're not stealing my podcast. So that First you... off, I assume she would be the one like taking the bull by the horns. So, <laughs> uh, No, I mean, I would gladly talk about The Mummy. I love that movie. You that could was... do the whole trilogy. I've never seen the third one. I've never seen the third one either. I can only imagine what I got what so it's upset like. after the second one. Second one, I liked, but I was in like eighth grade when it came out. So as an adult, I probably wouldn't like it. But then the fact that they did a sequel, like, what was it, like 10 years later or something? Yeah. Like, it was and it didn't after. even have Rachel Vice. It had Which makes Mar- sense, because by then, you know. She was way too famous. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so the first Mummy movie came out in 99. Yeah, that sounds right. And my grandmother, my Nana, was dying at the time. Oh, I'm sorry. And that was the movie that I saw, like, when all of this shit was going down. Yeah. So it was, like, a film that... You associate with that now? Yeah, and it, it heals me. It, like, it makes oh, me okay. feel better. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, okay, that's nice. Because, yeah. like, my dad took me out of school. Yeah. Like, he, he's, like... Uh, he signed me out, and I was like, "Oh God, oh yeah. God, did, did Nana die?" Yeah, and he's like, "No, no, I'm taking you to the movies." You had a very stressful couple, of, uh, very stressful month. I'm like, "Oh, okay. What are, what are we going to see?" And he's like, "The Mummy." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." It was an awesome movie. Uh, I live in, and they had a new theater that opened the week that that opened. So I went to that you know movie that night, and I mean it was it was just packed. It was pandemonium. It was the first movie I saw in the cinemas so it's you know it always will hold that distinction essentially for me but uh yeah that's probably my favorite Brendan Fraser movie they're not gonna know what theater I'm gonna bleep it out oh cool <laughs> yeah so that's gonna really mess with them I'm gonna say it one more time cinemas <laughs> <laughs> so they're gonna be like what theater oh my god they'll be doing research what theaters opened in may ni- 1st 1999 or something yeah. like that <laughs> uh that's really funny. it's weird that 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 opened may 1st 1999 where may 1st now is like attributed to marvel marvel yeah the mummy before marvel and it's funny because so like not quite because 2008 more or less was when marvel dominated that weekend except for i think one year i think there's like one year they didn't get it between 2008 and current but it's starting in 2002 we had the spider-man the first spider-man movie so you even started pretty soon seeing marvel movies scattered throughout there right 
Um, but yeah, now it's just it's Marvel weekend. Well, do you know what movie made it summer movie season in May? Would it have been Jaws? No. What, what, um, Jaws came out in July of 1970. Oh, it was in July. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, Star Wars? Nope. I don't know. Then. Because Star Wars like didn't create summer movie season. Yeah. It the movie that kicked it off of people like going to the movies in droves in May. Yeah. Was Encino Man. Encino Man with Brendan Fraser. With Brendan Fraser. Uh, why do you say that? Why is that? Well, in the research that I did. Well, like, what, well, like the the numbers. So, th- I mean, they did it with like the box office for that. I mean, the budget for that movie was like ten million dollars, and it made like twenty. So they saw it as a success. But the film that really created summer movie season was The Crow. The Crow. Crow came out May fourth, nineteen ninety four. Okay, so it's pretty much what that was like a big hit, and then people were like, you know what? Yep. Let's just say May is summer. Yep. Because I always say May is summer because of the Well, movies. now it feels like April is summer. Yeah, thankfully soon March will be summer, so that'll be nice. <laughs> partially because of global warming, partially because of the box office. So. Um, yeah, but I feel like Brendan Fraser is such an underrated actor. I mean, he's had so many like great movies. Have you ever seen School Ties? Uh, yeah, once, and that was a very good movie. So let me, I just, this popped into my mind. At one point, he was almost Superman. Have you had this discussion this month yet? No. What were your What are your thoughts of I? Because I Superman remember lives that. right. I th- the Kevin uh, Smith written one. Not that one, but the next one. I think the first time J.J. Abrams was on board or like Flyby. I think it was maybe that, no, that one. No, that the J.J. Abrams was wrote the. Okay, so McGee was gonna direct. I think it was. I, he didn't get cast or anything, but I think it was that one he like auditioned for. It was something like around the time of the Mummy, which everyone was in production. No, around he that. he was cast. He was cast because McGee, they they used parts of the script that Kevin Smith wrote, and then J.J. Abrams did revisions, and it yeah. became Superman Flyby. Yeah, it's, it's such a stupid name, by the way. Superman Flyby. Well, do you know the cast of that movie? I feel like at one point I heard it and it was it sounded cool, but I also read the script uh, synopsis and it did not sound good. What there. was the script? I never read the script. I think from so from what I remember is Krypton existed. Just Superman was sent to Earth and Krypton still existed and it was like General Zod was gonna invade Earth and then Superman had to go back to Krypton and like live there and try to like prevent that and stuff. And to me, I mean, I love General Zod. I, you know, they've done him twice essentially at this point with the same. But it still had Lex Luthor in it too. Yeah, Luthor was involved because what Downey was involved or rumored at one point. I don't. He may have okay, been with so Brett Ratner cast, though. So it wasn't Brett Ratner. It was Mick G. But at one point, Brett Ratner got involved Oof. after Mick G. Oof. Don't worry, he did X Men instead. It all worked out. <laughs> so the cast was Brendan Fraser as Superman. Um. Uh, Billy Zane was going to be Lex Luthor. Oh, okay. I remember hearing that. And, and I that am makes insane sense. for Zane. That I makes sense Billy because Zane. he looks like him. And I He's think bald. I feel like even in the comics after Titanic, he started getting drawn as him a little bit. At yeah. Some, and some some people, you know. But yeah, Demi so Moore sense. was supposed to be Lois Lane. Oh, okay. That could have been good. I think it was Demi Moore. Um, that would have been good. I, I know, know it was either her, her or. Jennifer Conley. Oh, okay. Someone Either one who, of them probably would have been pretty good in that role. And uh, 
General Zod, I believe. I can't remember if. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be Willem Dafoe. Really interesting. That would have been great, though. Yeah, he was once rumored for the Joker in like '89, I think. Yeah, uh, that so, would have been awesome. But. So the original Joker that Tim Burton wanted and the studio was behind it before Jack Nicholson even heard about Batman was John Lithgow. And John Lithgow yeah. said no. And he said, that was the biggest mistake of my life. And the funny thing is, Brendan Fraser wasn't going to play Superman, and John Lithgow talked him into doing it. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I think Brendan Fraser would have been an excellent Superman, because I think he could have played bumbling Clark Kent very well, and I think he could have played heroic Superman very well. Actually, I think they're... No, I don't... I. I see what you mean by that. I don't think he should have been Superman. I think okay. he should have been Shazam. Oh, well, I, so I haven't seen the Shazam movie, but I'm oh, dying to. It's great. If it's, it's great. on DVD, I'd get it on Redbox on my way home. But well, I think it's digital for a little bit longer. Yeah, well, right honestly, if, if you want, uh, I used a birthday gift card to get it. I will have you come over, and you, you, and you and Marilyn can come over, and we we can watch oh, Shazam. Because I, I see what you mean. Because I, I know enough about the character and the previous that you are right that he would have he would have been great. It would have been like Blast from the Past. Yeah, like if a Shazam movie in like the late '90s would have been cool. That one you probably could have gotten away with, you know, more back then to some extent. But I still think he could have made a good Superman he as well. Probably, but just when I see Brendan Fraser, I think of George of the Jungle and I think of Blast from the Past and I see this like, you know, lovable man child mm. who has a good heart and is a good guy. And I think Billy Bastion. Yeah, no, I do get that. I think that's that's excellent casting idea. Um, also there were, there were a few movies. So do you want me to go through the list of movies, uh, that I almost picked? Yeah. So did you ever see Mr. W Mrs. Winterborn? That was the Ricky Lake. No. So she played this like, Google the, like the DVD cover or whatever. What is it? Mrs. Winterborn? Yeah. So it's her, Shirley MacLaine and Brendan Fraser. And the premise of the movie is Brendan Fraser's twin brother and his wife, who was pregnant at the time, die in this train accident that Ricky Lake was on the train with them. Okay. And she was a pregnant single mom, and Brendan Fraser ends up uh, as the the yuppie rich brother. The other Brendan Fraser is a like hippie dippy. So he ends up falling mm. in love with her, and he's like, "But you're my brother's, you know, uh, wife." And she's like, "The funny thing is, no, I'm not." <laughs> Huh, okay. Yeah, it's a, that it's one a bad sounds, movie. That one sounds yeah, bad. I yeah. wanted to I was gonna pick a bad one and then I was like, no, no. Well I went with With Honors, which isn't a great movie, but Yeah, I'm not really familiar with that one. Uh that one is Joe Pesci, uh, and Brendan Fraser. Uh it takes place in Harvard um university where Joe Pesci is a homeless guy and he ends up living in their their house at college. Um, oh, I, I remember it, the DVD cover. And then I was going to do Blast from the Past, and yeah. I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to dissect Blast from the Past because I love it too much, and I love Alicia Silverstone. It's a really great film. Yeah, and also Sissy Spacek. 
Kevin, uh, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Did you almost say Kevin Spacey? Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. Who knows? Uh, Kevin was coming out, but then I stopped myself. <laughs> Kevin Klein. Ke- was Kevin Klein? No. Oh, no, man, I do I love, love Kevin great. Klein, though. Kevin Klein's great. Dave Foley is in that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's Thank film. you for always being happy. Being happy. Gay. Because <laughs> his character is gay. Um, Oh, one thing we didn't talk about in the Scrubs episode is gay chicken. That confused me for a second, and then I, I laughed at it. And then I but wondered, how would you get away with that You today? would not get away with that today. Yeah. No, but that wasn't PC. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't woke, guys. You should feel ashamed. Yeah. But that was a funny scene, though. I did laugh. Um, And then the final one that I almost picked uh, was I was going to go full dark Brendan Fraser when, like, in the early 2000s, he started doing more dramas. Yeah. Um, between, I was going to do Gods and Monsters. Oh, perfect transition, by the way, with Gay Chicken and then going into Gods and Monsters. <laughs> because Did you ever see Gods and Monsters? Yeah, it's, it was a good movie. It's a brilliant movie, but it yeah. is so dark. It's it might so be, uncomfortable also. It's also my favorite Brendan Fraser movie. Oh, it is, huh? He's so good in it. Yeah, it's, he's a very good actor in that one, especially, yeah. Also, The Quiet American. Quiet American. Oh, okay. Kind of remember that one. It's him and Michael Caine. Oh, and they're both in love with yeah. the same girl in Vietnam. I do remember that one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like yeah. he had such a great career and it it's sad that like that's what happened to him. But he's like I think on a resurgence. I mean, the Doom Patrol Patrol's being I think I don't know if it's getting another season or not, it but is. He's been well received in it. I think. Yes, I think he's, he, one of the highlights he's got a second and, season of Doom Patrol, um, and then he was on um, that Getty show when. So when they did All the Money in the World, oh okay, they did a TV show at the same time where yeah, he, he was played in the show? Mark, he played Mark Wahlberg's role. Oh, cool! And apparently, his character looked more like the real life guy than. Well, all right. So I didn't see All the Money in the World, but Mark Wahlberg, like in a suit wearing glasses, just screamed. Like, what? No. I'm smart in this movie. I'm wearing glasses. Do you not see this? I have a tie on. That's stop a Wednesday night. Stop, stop it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's not so. your life. It's not your life. It's not yours. I love Mark Wahlberg. I do so too, much. but but um, him being like smart. Well, no, he is a smart guy, but him being like like uh an attorney who gets people out of like you know, hostage situations. No, he's the guy going into the hostage situation blowing away the bad guys. Like there's so many good like if Mark Wahlberg as Mark Wahlberg trying to negotiate with them and like you know look just give us the hostages and like I'll take you out some Wahlburgers and like we'll have a great time. You get as much as you want. You know we'll even get Donnie to go get some alcohol from down the street. It's going to be a great time, guy. Just let the hostages go. When they were trying to pick a new Batman before they settled on Affleck, there was this um, animation company that did different actors as Batman and one of the ones they did was Mark Wahlberg and he's like hey Two-Face you have two faces I have one face <laughs> they also oh, did Matthew man. McConaughey from True Detective I haven't seen True Detective so I might Gotham is like an enigma wrapped in a crime as I search through the lights of Gotham City True Detective sounds dark it is you would hate it yeah <laughs> so yeah um, as we wrap this up do you want to plug anything I have a web series, Skitcom TV. You can go to Facebook, YouTube, and search for Skitcom TV or skitcomtv.com. Check us out, like us, share us, tell your friends who have money or are looking to invest in something to reach out to me. Oh, thanks. And uh, thanks. We, we also have a podcast 
about the show where I interview some of the actors. It doesn't come out very consistently, but there's a, a Skitcom TV podcast. So check check any of that stuff out. And you can find us on Twitter at W-R-T-R-B-A-G-E-L-B-S-K-T. Uh, Instagram and Facebook, like us. Subscribe to us on whatever Apple-based podcasting thing that we're on because I don't know if iTunes is going to exist anytime soon. Um... Stitcher, Google Play, whatever you find your podcast, we're probably there. So also, you know, give us a good review. We appreciate it. Do that. it. And email us, writersbagelbasket at gmail.com. Send us your show suggestions. And if you keep spamming me, I'm not going to read them. I'm not going to click on that link. Don't tell me what to do, Scott. So, uh, Dave, thanks for being here, bud. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure as always. And you got to be on, too. Uh, So until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Bye. Lils and Patrick are two local musicians from the New England area whose minimal accomplishments have left them thoroughly unqualified to judge bands and artists who have been more successful than they ever could be. And yet, their passion for bad music persists on Jukebox Zeros, the podcast that takes a retrospective look at the worst albums of all time. From The Shags to Attila, from Cyberpunk to Scream, if there's a band that has an album they're ashamed of, Lils and Patrick will be there. Share their love on Jukebox Zeros, now on the Zero Science Network, and wherever podcasts may be found found. They are posing as movies you already know. They may be in your theaters, your neighbor's home, or even your own. Why are you doing that voice? I don't know. (coughs) I thought it made me sound cool. It doesn't. I'm Jason Bishop, host of the Invasion of the Remake podcast with co-hosts Sam Stepanenko and Trish Coughlin. Join us each week as we rotate talking about your favorite films and their not-so-favorite remakes. We'll also dig deep to find forgotten films that we think are more worthy of remaking, complete with our own fantasy casting. You can get all 130 episodes and counting on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and all the best podcast providers, even freaking YouTube. For the low, low price of absolutely nothing, join the invasion. Subscribe today. Or we'll blow up your planet.